I don't know if we formally introduced myself. I'm Priscilla Villanueva. And, and I'm Naomi Murphy. And we started Not Your Mom's Period uh, about, well, the concept of it six months ago, like we had said. And um, we wanted to get all kinds of angles on menstruation. And this is a really important one, especially for the women of California. So um, why don't you tell us your name and introduce yourself? <laughs> yeah. I'm Christina Garcia. I'm the state assembly member for the 58th district, which is um, half of Southeast Los Angeles County. Awesome. Oh, okay. Wow. Very so cool. It's a heavily Latino immigrant community that I represent. Awesome. Is this your second or third term? Uh, this is actually my fourth oh, term. Okay. I run every two years, so I'm in my seventh year in office. Oh, wow. Can you share with us a little bit about like your journey and how to, you became an assemblywoman or why? Yeah, you I mean, this is uh, definitely not where I intended to ever be. <laughs> and, what did you think uh, you were going to be? Well, I was doing what I wanted to do. I was teaching. I taught math for 13 years. It's what I intend to do when this journey's over. Okay. But this gave me an opportunity to change the leadership in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved back. About 10 years ago, when my parents both got sick and my siblings nominated me to come home and help take care of them. <laughs> you were voluntold. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was told I was just a teacher, which, you know, I haven't forgiven them for oh. the just part. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, um, it was an easy ask. And I it was an easy ask because I thought I was only going to be there for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out I needed to be there much longer. Um, and so in that, I complained a lot about being back in Bull Gardens, the type of place where... Growing up, you think moving up is moving out and never mm-hmm. coming back. Um, you know, it's just to give you a reference, like it's called, it was called Bell Garbage growing up by oh. neighboring communities. Uh, and so I left at 17 to go to college mm-hmm. and I was never coming back. Um, and so when I came back, I was really frustrated with a lot of the environment around me, mm-hmm. uh, whether, you know, it's the physical environment and the pollution or the trucks or the food desert, or just the, you know, the lack of progress that my community hasn't seen. Absolutely. Um, but my sister was wise. She's younger, but wiser than me. And <laughs> to do something about it, that I had leadership skills, and reminded me that a lot of people in the community had invested in us yes. to make sure we didn't fall through the cracks. Takes a community, yeah. right? Absolutely. Well, we're from Fresno, and I feel like... Till recently, a lot of people felt that way about Fresno. A lot of Fresnos feel that way about Fresno. They mm-hmm. don't love their town, but there's a group of people that are starting to really turn that around um, and make it a little bit better. It's Fres Yes now, I hear. Yes. Yes, Fres Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I've met some of those folks, and it's exciting. We've met some young, through the period advocacy, mm-hmm. uh, I've met some really young women who are, you know, just excited about their communities and turning stuff around and investing at an early age so it's been exciting to see absolutely so i just got involved in the period movement like seven months ago i started a an initiative in our town to collect menstrual products and then this is how the podcast was born i was like well we're doing this but we can also do more with the podcast and talk to different women um and I'm a little bit older, but I see all these young yeah. ladies out there mm-hmm. really advocating for it. And I was like, whoa, these people know their voice and know how to use it. And I really wish I had that sort of um, just initiative or you know leadership or drive to do things like that when I was younger. So I respect a lot of the ladies that are, a lot of the women that are involved in the period movement. Yeah. No, they're doing a great job. And I think, though... You know, I think for a lot of, I have a lot of young girls that uh, call the office for different things all mm-hmm. the time, and we try to be as accessible as possible, uh, and, and it's exciting to see where they're at versus where we were at, but I think it's, you know, 
I think five years ago, a lot of these young women wouldn't have been thinking about any of these issues. Yes. So I think it's been this this movement that has taken a life of its own that has started in, in different levels, whether it's at the state level or federal level on has just evolved and so I think that's what's been exciting right it's like part of why I do this job is that I have a soapbox mm-hmm. and I I wasn't but somewhere in my pathway I decided to be much more intentional with the issues that I work on and what I elevate and take advantage of the soapbox that I have here mm-hmm. in the state legislature and so uh, it was then that I was like fine let's elevate the discussion in periods uh, we have a giant soapbox and let's have a discussion that people don't want to have. And when we started having that discussion, even the word tampon was scary to people. I'm like, tampon Absolutely. is not a bad word. Like, stop telling me to stop saying it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's still very much a bad word in a lot of circles, especially where we're from. We're kind of a, in a part of California that's very different from the rest of California. I think, like, in Latino communities, immigrant communities, the idea of a tampon, the idea of inserting something in your body Mm -hmm. is scary, right? But even here in the capital, it wasn't about the actual technicalities of that. It was just, like, something that was tied to your periods. Mm -hmm. It was a bad word. So if I would have said maxi pad, that would have been just as bad. Mm -hmm. Yes. Sanitary napkin or anything. I I don't call them sanitary napkins. Mm -hmm. I don't call them hygiene products because they're not those things. Right. It's a medical necessity, and I Mm -hmm. feel that's part of how we trivialize it or minimize women's health. Uh, by calling it these yes, things that are inappropriate. These names. Um, but, yeah. but I think any of these words, right, even just when I would say blood, they're like, oh, and I'm like, but we could watch people being blown up on TV and blood everywhere, and that's okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, there's this, like, weird disconnect between, like, violence and gore and then, like, our bodies that bleed for a beautiful thing, and, and because it's a medical, it's it, it, a necessity for us to, to do as women. And so, yeah, I get it. I saw this little picture of a man it's like two little pictures side by side and it's a little cartoon and there's this guy he's watching like violence and gore on tv and he's like glorifying it and then he sees like commercial like a a maxi pad and he's like ew so gross and i'm like this is just i mean Mm -hmm. that just encapsulates (laughs) yeah (laughs) problem out there yeah Yeah, absolutely um so can you tell us a little bit about what you remember your first period or like the time around your first period and what that was like so I don't remember my, my first period. I didn't get my period until I was, like, a couple years in high school. Okay. Uh, and if I had to say a story tied to periods was my sister getting her period when she was about 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And she's a year younger than I am. And she'd had her period for a little while. And my mom asking me if I was hiding my period or what was going on, why I hadn't told her that I, I had gotten my period. And I was like, well, I haven't gotten my period yet. And she just told me, okay, when you get your period, you can talk to your sister about it because, you know, she, <laughs> oh, she's had it for a while now. Uh-huh. So that was my whole period discussion uh, at home. Uh, and even at school, I don't think there was much of a discussion beyond that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I would say it was until I got to college and I went to a little liberal arts college and we lived in the dorms for four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you get to really bond with, with your with your sweet mates or with whoever you live in that dorm uh, and so we share bathrooms, and so periods became a much more open discussion there amongst my peers uh, and so forth. Even I remember having discussions in the bathroom about trying tampons on and, like, yes. talking to each other through the bathroom stall to, like, cheer each other on, of, like, to do it and how to do it and to get through the fear. Uh, and so it wasn't <laughs> until then that it became a much more open discussion. Absolutely, and it's kind of a big step to go from using a, a pad to using a tampon and, and not quite knowing exactly yeah, I mean, I think, like, in some respects, like, I'm more, I've been much more pragmatic all my life, so I was like, oh, this seems so much easier mm-hmm. and more efficient, and so it didn't seem like a big step, and I just to kind of approach, like, you know, a task, like, okay, how do I do this, like, I could, you know, and, and, and 
you know, it's like, I'm, I'm a grown lady. I can figure this out. So, <laughs> in that sense, I don't know that it was, you know, this big thing. I think okay. more with other friends along the way that mm-hmm. I've had discussions with, even now, friends who are in their 40s, you know, we're discussing menstrual products and having to be like, you can do this, give it a try. <laughs> and, you know, talking about the cup now, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. it doesn't yeah. have to be something scary. And, you know, I have, as my friends and I were talking about both, you know, what we put in our bodies of their chemicals and so forth, mm-hmm. that consciousness, but also the consciousness of wanting to be, uh, have less waste, you know, and be like better to the environment. And so we've been discussing the cups and I'm like, okay, you guys, like, it doesn't have to be this hard. Like we could, we could try it out. And if you don't like it, you don't have to use it. But, mm-hmm. um, and so in that sense, I've always approached it in a much more pragmatic way. And I know that's not like the normal thing out there because my friends haven't approached it in that, in that <laughs> way. But, uh, it's just kind of, has always been how I'm programmed for a lot of things, not just, just yeah you mentioned you talked to your mom a little bit uh when your sister started her period have you gone back and talked to her about periods since we haven't discussed it much i mean we've like she she thinks at first she thought it was funny when i introduced the legislation and it was getting all kinds of publicity and, oh. it was a uh, and she's like oh there you go again talking about weird things you know yeah um <laughs> uh, but I would say, so we haven't discussed the topic specifically, but she has, I've seen the evolution over the years. So she's like, oh yeah, like this stuff shouldn't be taxed. It should be available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we don't, we don't discuss uh, the topics. I mean, in all fairness, uh, there's a lot of things I don't discuss with my parents. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it has been a nice at least see that evolution that she thought it was crazy or funny or embarrassed for me when I was talking about mm-hmm. my period all the time. To now, she's just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is, makes sense that we should be doing this. Why are we being taxed? Yeah. Uh, and so it's been nice to at least see that evolution uh, at home. Yeah, because in our first uh, episode, we talked about our first period experiences. And I'm Mexican-American. I immigrated to uh, Arizona when I was eight years old. And um, I think I started using tampons when I was in college. And my mom's first reaction was like, you're using a tampon, you're going to lose your virginity. And I was like, oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I've talked to other um, Latino women, uh, Latinx women, and they kind of have the same experience where it's like, you know, this is going to take away your virginity. And um, I think that's so funny, like that sort of, you know, virginity is so protected that you can't even use a tampon in the Mexican-American community. Yeah, I grew up, I didn't, I I mean, I'm Mexican-American as well. I grew up in a very different world than traditional households that people think. I have a mom who has been the businesswoman and in charge who mm-hmm. calls the shots in the house. My dad, who was a more caring, nurturing individual, he's the one that would get, get us ready for school in the morning, pick us up. Um, and, you know, someone who would always talk to us about, like, getting pre- not getting pregnant, right, and, and, and <laughs> sex, and, you know, talking to us about, like, don't have sex, but if you have sex, like, be smart and use protection. Mm-hmm. And I think in part it had to do with the fact that she was a teen mom um, who was also in a really abusive domestic violence relationship and eventually separated from my biological dad and then married my stepdad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I think her own experience, you know, she wanted us to be smarter, uh, she didn't want us to be teen moms. We grew up in a community where a lot of teen moms were around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think I think she was more expecting that we were going to fall in her footsteps and ha- start having sex early and then they're pregnant. Uh, so I think because of that, you know, what we use, whether it was a tampon or a pad or something else, like wasn't even on like the top of her mind. It was like her biggest priority was like throwing the pregnant. And I think that's why mm-hmm. even like the whole period discussion, like she didn't find it to be like this discussion that was so important to have with us. It was just like, all More right, your pregnancy. sister knows. <laughs> just talk to her when, when it's your time then, you know, when the products are there and if right. you want something different, buy it yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you have money, right? She would give us allowances, and so um, it was. It was. It was very much about pregnancy, not being pregnant, and going to like college. And she would tell us, she, like, she was a seamstress, and she's like, I could teach you how to sew, I could teach you how to clean, and that's it, you know. And if you want something different, like, go go be a good student and ask for help. Uh, and so I think because her focus. Uh, it was like she had tunnel vision and, and she worked all the time so she also didn't make time for these discussions that I think would have been nice to have had with, with the parent right would have been nice to have talked to her about hey mom like it turns out I have really irregular periods right it's weird mm-hmm. that I got my period at 16 mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, and so all these things that like we, we didn't have access to her uh, but she always gave us permission to go talk to other people about whatever we needed and so in that sense I, great. I felt that I could do that, which is not normal. Like, you know, mm-hmm. even, uh, it was an, I, I know it's not normal. I've been around enough friends that I grew up in a very <laughs> it's different not, household. Yeah. yeah. To be empowered to ask for help, especially in a Latino household with immigrants where we're taught mostly to stay out of the way, to stay in the shadows, to be grateful for whatever's thrown your way. Mm-hmm. And that's good enough, right? Yeah, so I kind of like, we're not entitled to anything else. And so whatever comes our way is good enough. And so I'm lucky I didn't grow up in that household, you know, um, but I know a lot of folks uh, who are from our background did. Just the power to ask questions mm-hmm. or be told to ask questions. Yeah. I think that's one of the strongest things is just it's okay to just question anything, yeah. right? And to ask advice from those around us and those not around us as well. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So another thing we wanted to know is um, what is your why? Why do you do why do you do tampon, <laughs> tampon legislation, the tampon tax? What is it? What called you to do this? So I wanted to do this when I first got here, actually, and I've just always been frustrated. It never made sense to me that I get taxed for something that's a necessity. Uh, it's not like my period is fun, uh, <laughs> right? I would say there's no happy hour for my period. <laughs> and I'm, I, it, it always just it never made any sense to me. It never made any sense to me when I was a teacher uh, in the high school that I had to hide these products and, like, you know, girls didn't have access to them, mm-hmm. uh, and they were always so embarrassed to ask for something. And the girls eventually figured it out that I had stuff there always for them, and I would just leave it uh, on a bookshelf where they could just take without asking. Yeah. Uh, and then I would have random girls who were not even in my classroom that would come in to get stuff in my classroom. And I was like, it shouldn't have to be like this underground secret that there's products here for anyone that mm-hmm. needs right. uh, whatever they need. And so um, when I first got here, there was a discussion with my team at that time, and they're like, well, you know... People are going to make fun of you. You just got here. No one knows you. I wasn't supposed to win, according to people. I was a fluke. Uh, and so I listened to them at that point. But about three years into being here, I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. Like, I ran to have a soapbox. I ran to elevate issues that I really care about. And it was around the same time that I said, I'm going to be much more intentional on what I work mm-hmm. on. And if, if I'm going to do this job that has a lot of sacrifices, like, it has to be things that I find fun and exciting. Uh, and I've always found fun and exciting pushing the barrier about the woman's body, you know, and, and how we talk about it uh, and, and how we don't talk about it. And so mm-hmm. I decided that I would embark on this discussion to get rid of the tax on menstrual products. And mostly because I was just pissed off about it. <laughs> uh, it. It didn't seem fair. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, the biggest example that, I mean, we see, right, is that Viagra isn't taxed, Rogaine isn't taxed, but our tampons and our pants are taxed, and it just doesn't make any sense. Well, candy isn't taxed, right? And so, I mean, being here in the legislature, I think for myself, I do two two things at the Capitol. I vote on a budget, and I pass legislation, and create new laws, or we, you know, amend laws that are already enacted 
And so we, we're talking about dollars. We're talking about growing the pie all the time. We're talking about new taxes. We're talking about tax breaks all the time. And so the discussion about our tax code, our budget, what's our, what our values are, are constantly being discussed in the mm-hmm. capital. And so it just got to the point where I was like, well, do we value a woman's body, mm-hmm. right? What's the message we send? People tell me, oh, it's 10 cents a month or it's 20 cents a month. I'm like, it's not the 20 cents. It's the message you're sending about our woman's body, about yes. our biology and what we value. And so it started that way and it evolved into this bigger menstrual equity discussion. I feel not only should these items not be taxed, but they should be free, just like toilet paper is available everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it doesn't mean that we don't buy any toilet paper, right? But when we're in public spaces, they're free and they're Mm -hmm. accessible. Uh, And they should be free, I tell folks. It's not about being poor. It's not about helping the poor person save the 10 cents. It's not just about helping the homeless woman who doesn't have access to these products. Think about it this way. I was in Germany at a climate change COP23 conference. And I did an audit of the bathrooms. It was like Women's like Equality Day. And so I had Tampa and Barbie with me. And we did an <laughs> audit of the bathrooms. And there were no menstrual products in any of the bathrooms. And so I went to the volunteer center. And I asked, what happens if I have my period? Where do I get a product? They're like, oh, you have to get on the train to go to the nearest store 20 minutes away. Oh, my goodness. So I was like, so if I'm a world leader and I'm negotiating climate change policies throughout the world, I have to take an hour away from this negotiation to deal with my biology. And so our biology comes whenever I want, mm-hmm. right? And so if I don't have access to the products, then I don't have access to be a productive part of my job, of school, of society, of, of whatever that might be, right? It shouldn't hinder me. In the same way, when you have to go to the bathroom, we don't want that to be an issue for you, right? It shouldn't impede you from stuff until we have stuff available. Uh, and so it's evolved into, it's evolved into that discussion. Um, it's evolved into a, a discussion about just how we're told to be ashamed of our bodies. I mean, I think mm-hmm. ultimately that's the whole thing about the word tampon or maxi pads. Just don't talk right. about it. We don't or bring it up. Commercials, right? Blue liquid. Mm-hmm. We're running through a field. Playing uh, soccer. <laughs> Playing soccer is a big one. Uh, <laughs> and it's like we don't, you know, it's like I, I think it's just part of how they control us. It's like we're so we're supposed to be ashamed of our bodies mm-hmm. constantly. And and something that I mean, I don't want to sit here and pretend uh, having blood come out of me every month is beautiful right it's not, <laughs> right it's like and i'd rather not deal with it but it's, it's it's a part of life it's it's part of my biology um when men tell me well you shouldn't shave us on shaving cream i'm like right, let's make a deal i'll tell every woman for the next 30 days not to deal with their periods just to go ahead and mm-hmm. let the blood flow and we'll let it flow and hit whatever it hits yep. you know i'm like and we and you guys don't shave for the month I'm like, and, and let's see if they really are the same thing. Like, oh, you're so Absolutely. gross. Yeah, right? But, but I seem to be that only if I get to this you're so gross discussion where you, like, actually stop and listen to yourself mm-hmm. and what you're comparing. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, is it their fault when we don't talk about it? Absolutely. Like, yeah. they don't know, right? They don't get a period, so they don't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this, that's part of it also. It's like we can't expect the men to know or be better about the stuff if we don't talk about it. Right. right? Yeah. And I think you explained period equity so beautifully. Um, just a, a few minutes ago, when you talked about those work and educational opportunities being there, but also you have to take time from those things to deal with your period, and people understanding that, and that's why we have, that's why we should have free products for everyone, and mm-hmm. not this tax on there, because as women, we miss out on class time, we miss out on work time, and and because of our periods, and I think that awareness needs to be brought up, like, hey, we menstruate, this is part of our body, but we also need this equity, the piece to it. So That's where these young girls are going to save us because they're out there having the discussions at an right. early age with their peers. They're not hiding it from the boys. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so that's where these young high school girls are, are going to save us one day. <laughs> <Yeah>. Seriously. <laughs> um, I had some more questions, but I'm like totally blanking. This is a really good conversation. <laughs> um, so you want you were just mad. You were pissed off. You wanted to to be like, I don't get why this happens. Um, one of my favorite tweets that you put out there was once um, uh, Governor Brown denied the the first time around that you. Pre- I'm, I'm sorry, I'm like blanking yeah, all this stuff. Yeah, it's the first bill, AB 1561. We <coughs> introduced it and it got to his desk unanimously from both houses and he vetoed it. Yeah, and you said, why do we have to balance the budget on women's backs, right? I said on our uterus. Our uterus? <laughs> I love that so much because it's so true like you're they're saying well we can't where are these 20 million dollars going to come from right from that we get from um menstrual products and you're like that's not our that's not our problem that's not our problem <laughs> should have been in the budget to begin with and it's how folks this look the reality is California is a giant economy. Mm-hmm. And to someone in Bell Gardens or someone in Fresno, $20 million is a lot of money. So mm-hmm. I don't want to trivialize that dollar amount. But it's less than 1%. It's less than 1 100th of 1% for those folks like math of our budget for the year. It's what we call budget dust. And we call it dust because it's absorbable. We won't even notice that it's missing. Budget dust. Uh, yes. And so it's not that much money. Uh, and so... That's the first thing. Secondly, it's like, let me have my dollar, my $2, whatever it might be. You know mm-hmm. what? Chances are I'm probably going to go spend that on something that else that is taxed. And so mm-hmm. we're probably going to get those $10 million, $20 million right back anyways. But this never should have been included in the budget. When you're telling me we cannot afford to do this, you're telling me that my uterus continues to be a luxury. Mm-hmm. And part of why I, this this discussion, right, I started off being angry about being taxed for my period. And it's like, my period isn't anything fun. But it's turned into a bigger discussion that's not about me, right? And so I call it a uterus and not women's bodies as often because trans women have spoken up and said, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not being inclusive of us. And we also menstruate and we need to talk about that. And that's why you see in some places where you have menstrual products in men's bathrooms, like, why are they here? It's like, yeah, let's not ignore this part of the population as well, right? So part of equity is being inclusive of of all out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's part of why I started to choose the word uterus. I'm not 100%. I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. But it was a discussion of someone educating me. Mm -hmm. We carried AB10 to have free products in all these schools. And initially, it was because I had a group of high school girls from Stockton approach me at an event there and say, hey, you're the tampon lady. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was waiting for some jokes. And they're like, no, we want to have a real discussion with you. We're like, we have all these free condoms everywhere, and right. that's great. And everyone's obsessed with us getting pregnant. And I was like, oh, it's just like my mom was. <laughs> uh, I'm like, but no I think all Mexican mothers. No talking to us about our periods, uh, which ironically is tied to us getting pregnant, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, and how to manage it and our health. Uh, and they were telling me how, like, why don't we have free products at school? And they talked to me about how they miss school on a regular basis because mm-hmm. they don't have access to these products. A young girl told me she uses socks with newspaper and toilet paper to kind of make her own products that way because she didn't want to miss school because she knew that education was her pathway to poverty. And so I was like, I'm in Stockton. I'm 45 minutes away from the capital. I'm not in Africa. We all think about these yes, terrible countries. Right. This is happening here. Uh, and it's... And, and another young girl was like, well, you could ask this teacher. She has products. 
But I was like, you know, we're not even having this discussion, and these poor girls have to go to these lanes. Or another one told me she would buy them one at a time at the liquor store, and it was mm-hmm. much more expensive that way, but she would, like, find enough change to buy the one product that she needed while she figured out how to do the next product. Uh, and so... It just became to me, I was like, wow, this is crazy. If you don't have access to the products, you're like, yeah, how are you going to school? How are you, te- how are you thinking about it? I had it as a teacher, and I never put the many thoughts together. I just had it there because I had a girl once that asked me for a product, and I didn't have one. And I was like, oh, well, in the future, I just want to make sure I have stuff here. I didn't think about whether she could afford it. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about uh, whether, you know, uh what her mom had the choice of buying like food for the table or buying these products that she needed because those were the discussions these girls were having with me. Right. I just thought about the fact that I had a student that asked me for something and I was like, yeah, we all get our period. I get my period. I might get it by accident sooner or later than I expected. Mm-hmm. So these products should just be around. Um, but never had that discussion before, right? And, and, and through this bill, been having discussions where women and men have been elevating issues that are deeper about menstrual equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the importance of this bill, right? People want to trivialize the tax. And I'm like, don't trivialize that. But actually, that's just the beginning of a much bigger discussion. Absolutely. I have women who are really passionate about the fact that I always mention tampons. And it's a tampon tax. And I said, part of it is because that's the product that I use. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the natural word for me to say. I'm like, but I do believe there's choices and you should pick what's best for your body. But they've even talked about how, well, you make it seem like that's the number one choice then. And so you have to be more inclusive and why I try to talk about my menstrual products a lot more now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And try to create spaces to talk about the different products that are out there, especially cups as an alternative. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's been this discussion where, you know, I was having a discussion with a couple of friends being angry about the tax. and, And the community out there has really molded the discussion into something much bigger and much more important uh, about our bodies and about how we talk about how we control our bodies mm-hmm. uh, and and how we deal with our biology yeah so do you have a favorite product now <laughs> <laughs> i still uh, i still use uh tampons um but i've been trying to speak about cups just more often mm-hmm. a lot of folks are talking about both the chemicals that are uh, in any of these products uh, they're thinking about the environment and the waste. I have a big issue with the plastic applicators, mm-hmm. so yes. I use tampons without applicators. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't really know what exactly what chemicals are in period it, products. No, there's not, right? And so, but I was just a target, and OB now does their non-applicator tampons uh, okay. organic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only thing they have there. So they're listening. Consumers are asking these questions. We mm-hmm. should know, and and some folks are responding to that market drive, right? Uh, but it's the next part of the discussion, right? It's like, what are we put? I, I, I always complain about the plastic applicators. I don't know that people know that those are, that's virgin um, plastic. Virgin plastic comes from petroleum, from oil. We're talking about climate change, right. about reducing our footprint. Mm-hmm. Think about the millions of plastic applicators out there on a regular basis and, and uh, our footprint that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Um, I know that people don't like the cardboard <laughs> out there, right, or no applicator. But then in that same discussion, it's like, well, maybe it's it's a cup or maybe it's the underwear that are out there now. Maybe mm-hmm. it's the washable yeah. uh, pads that are out there. And so there's a lot of options out there. We're just not talking about them. We definitely right. are not. Yeah, I didn't really know about the cup until probably like five years ago. And even then I was like, that's gross. I want to put that in my body. Like, <laughs> well, and I think we get so used to like the month after month and you just know what works for you that yeah. trying something new is kind of, yeah, unless you ask those questions for people, mm-hmm. you don't quite know how it all, 
how it all works and the key is asking questions yeah we're creatures of habits there's a sponge out there and people mm-hmm. don't know about that yeah uh and so i didn't know about the sponge in- until i started working on this bill and they tasked me with the with the um i had to define what menstrual products were oh and so i was like oh well what are menstrual products out there you know and, and how do i have an inclusive enough mm-hmm. definition but that's also simple and so that's how i discovered the sponge uh, out there um but you know i think um there we, we need to just be talking about it and then feel comfortable and you just said oh i don't want to put a cup like that's gross or mm-hmm. and, but what's gross about that Right, you're inserting something foreign I into don't know. your body. It's just like these like internalized notions of like cleanliness or, you know, not touching myself. And so I think like when I really sit there and think, why am I having these feelings regarding menstrual products? And I can really trace those back to, to that kind of thing. But like the blood is pretty clean, you know. It's yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's it's part of yourself. you. I mean, when I cut myself, you know, on on my hand and I and I'm clumsy, I injure myself regularly. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I have a cut, I just wipe it off. I don't I don't think about it twice, right? So it's, I'm also touching my body there, but we don't have a problem touching mm-hmm, mm-hmm. our bodies there and wiping off right. blood. Um and so I think we need to ask that question when we say it's like, uh, and it doesn't mean you have to try it, mm-hmm. but at a minimum, we need to be asking ourselves the questions of like, what are the internal stigmas I have? Yes. Uh, and are those stigmas appropriate or not? Mm-hmm. Do I need to change the way I think? And I might still continue to use the same product because I'm a creature of habit. Uh, but I could at least address that part because mm-hmm. if I'm internalizing it this way, and how is the rest of society internalizing it? And, and if we don't know, then we can't have the discussion to say, well, what? how should it be? Mm-hmm. Right. So what does the tampon tax look like now? What What's going on? So, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's bittersweet trying to find that balance with the governor. We have a governor this year who has finally agreed to engage on this tax discussion um, and has included a tax exemption on menstrual products, but it's only for two years. and and it's a step in the right direction but it's really frustrating because it's it's a tiny step if you ask me because we're telling women that we're telling women that they don't really understand the issue i think that's really what's going on Mm -hmm. and so they're they are hearing the advocates right there's all this advocacy around menstrual equity and so they know something's going on but it lets me know that we haven't done our homework, that our governors and our leaders don't fully understand the issue yet or why this is important. And they're giving us a tiny victory by telling us for two years we're going to get rid of the tax. It's kind of like but a pity victory. To, you're going to have to keep coming. And so what it tells me is that, that we've been loud. We've been mm-hmm. loud enough that they're paying attention, but they do not understand the fact that it's about the message we're sending about our about our body and our biology, how it's one step of many steps that we need to take to destigmatize, you know, how we deal with women, with our bodies, with our biologies, with our sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, part of when you think about, oh, like touching myself for a cup or a tampon versus touching myself for a cut of my hand is because it's tied to our sexuality. Mm-hmm. And it's yes. like, it doesn't all have to be tied to sexuality, but fine. Yes, those are sexual organs there too. But those don't have to be things that are dirty or things mm-hmm. that we're ashamed of, right? We're not supposed to enjoy sex. Right. Uh, right? <laughs> and so I, for me, it's like you clearly do not understand this issue. It's not trivial. It's the first step in this. It's another step, not the first step. It's another step in this discussion of, of women's bodies and ownership to them. Um, and so it's it's disappointing. It's disappointing that we we that I'm gonna have to keep fighting on this. It's disappointing that I can't be done with this part of the menstrual equity discussions. I can move on to the next part mm-hmm. of it because the last few years 
has let me know that there's a lot more work to be done in, in this space. And so um, I hope that we get it done. They keep trying to lump it to the issues of poverty. Mm-hmm. They keep trying to lump it to to um, issues uh, like the diaper tax, which I think we should also get rid of. But they're not the same issue. Yes. Uh, and one is about helping poor people out mm-hmm. and what is a necessity, and they're both necessity. But when we talk about menstrual products, it's more about what messages women are told about our bodies, our biology, our sexuality mm-hmm. out there. Or not told. Uh, <laughs> or not told, exactly. It's about having a gender-neutral tax code. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, don't, we do not have a gender-neutral tax code. Uh, and so... You know, it, it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet because it's it's a small victory. Sometimes, and this morning I was I struggle every day. Where it's like I want to be appreciative. He's engaging with me on the topic, but I don't know how much of a victory it is to say, "Well, I'm going to do this for two years," because I feel that part of the journey is not just getting this law passed, but the education that we do with our leaders out there. Mm-hmm. And so we, for me, it's like, well, then I have failed on that education with our leaders. I clearly haven't failed with lots of people. These young girls that are coming through my office regularly and are advocating uh, for more information. I had a young woman come lobby me about health class and how we talk about periods mm-hmm. in health class. And she's like, you know, we take all this time where they teach you about a condom, how to put on a condom, uh, STDs, how to protect yourself, but we don't spend any time talking about the different types of products that are out there, how to put them on, you know, right. the, just the logistics behind it, the mm-hmm. pragmatic stuff that's helpful. Uh, and I think for myself, that would have been helpful because my mom clearly wasn't talking to me about it. Yeah. And how much <laughs> is my little sister going to be able to tell me? Right. 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 And we weren't talking about it at school. And so um, we are clearly moving the ball and educating some people. Uh, but in the governor's office, we still have a, a long way to go. And, and so I hope we get there, um, you know, and I hope that that he engages in, in a bigger manner in this issue. He's at least said that this makes him uncomfortable, which I think is also important for people mm-hmm. to say this makes me uncomfortable, but I'm going to engage in that discussion. And so right. um, I struggle as you're hearing me now. I'm struggling <laughs> with, like, how much credit do I give him? <laughs> Right. Uh, I'm a teacher, and it's like I want 100. <laughs> percent You want that A plus? This is like 20. <laughs> percent You could tell him that yourself. <laughs> Do you have any advice for our listeners who maybe want to help with the tampon tax, or any kind of website you want to point them to? How can they get how involved? Can they, yeah. How can they push for this? I think uh, small and big. I think definitely reaching out to the governor's office or tweeting at him or, you know, Facebook making a phone call. Uh, and not just saying we want this, we want this gone permanently, but why it matters. Why yes. two years is the problem? What's the message that you're telling us with tears? That our bodies, you know, you're telling us that you don't get it yet. So, right? Mm-hmm. So, how do we help them understand? What are the questions we need to answer for him? Maybe we need to ask him, what do you? What is it that you don't get? Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the other part is how do we continue the discussion? And it's not just about getting rid of the tax, which is in general. And we all have power. And clearly, as a legislator, I have a lot more power uh, than some other individuals. But I always tell folks, sit down and assess what your power is and then use that. Maybe you push at your job. You mm-hmm. say, hey, can we have these products in the bathroom? You start to normalize this. So they're just everywhere. Uh, you start a, bl- a blog, right? Uh, <laughs> You have young girls who are doing drags out there. You have young women who are doing art around this. I had a woman, a young high school girl, talking to me about how they were going to do a series of strong women and they were going to be doing menstrual products in the artwork. So she Mm -hmm. talked about 
uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her white collar and doing that like maybe with tampons oh, right wow. and so I think <laughs> so find your passion and then work in that space uh, the more we're talking about it through any avenue that we have accessible to us the more work we're going to do in this space and it's not just about the tax and well that's important and I've been working on that for four years uh, it's much it's much bigger than that, and I think ultimately my goal is to see these products in all the bathrooms. And so, where can where can you put them into what bathroom, uh, and then to normalize the discussion? If you walk into my office, there's tampons and pads everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. If now in the Capitol for the first time, there's free products in all the women's bathrooms. Uh, that's something we've been working on out there as well. It's something I've been pushing rules on. They finally implemented it this year. Uh, if I I had a councilwoman call me up in one of my cities say, well, how do I have this uh, happen at the city level? Does it cost a lot of money? Can the state give me money? I was like, it's not that expensive, actually. You could do it all on your own. Like, let me tell you the steps and go put a resolution through. And I just had a reporter call me that they're going to be doing that. I was like, that's great. (laughs) Can you also show us? We have (laughs) have to just tell you it's not that hard. It's, you know, the, the expense is not that expensive. Someone has to go into the public bathroom to clean the bathroom and put in toilet paper right and soap or whatever else well they could easily put in the products into the dispenser at the yes. same time if they already have the dispensers it's easy it's free to change them from 25 cents to free you just have to close up that little spot and put a sticker over them literally tomorrow i have an intern going to every bathroom in the capital and putting a sticker over the 25 cents part that says free yes uh and so that's free as well if you don't have a dispenser yes you need to buy a dispenser right the amount of products that you buy is pretty absorbable. The money you use at the city level or at the school district for um, for toilet paper and that same but same budget money could be used for these products. At the state level for Title I schools, so middle schools and high schools to have these products in half of the bathrooms, they estimated that the whole cost to make that happen was a million dollars. That was including buying new dispensers that might be needed. And the cost after that to fill up was less than $150,000 for the whole state at Title I middle schools and high schools. That's so amazing. it's a pretty absorbable <laughs> uh, cost. It's just stopping to think about it. And people think, oh, it's going to be really expensive. But when they stop and think about it, a lot of these bathrooms already have these dispensers. They already right. have a custodian going in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have a means to pay for this stuff. And just like we call $20 million in the capital budget dust, the amount that would be at the local level becomes budget dust and the message we're sending to women everywhere. Right. Absolutely. Well, I actually, would ask you at your house, in your bathrooms, are the tampons and pads put away behind someplace mm-hmm. or are they just sitting publicly like your extra toilet paper rolls? Right. That's one of the things that I did actually just within the last few months is for, you know, how many years I've had significant others or friends over to the house where they come over and the first thing I do is is put it under the bathroom mm-hmm. sink. Yeah. And so the fact that when I am menstruating, it's right there next to the toilet. Now, even just hearing from you, just that push to put it out permanently because other people who come to my house might be menstruating and need it, not yeah. just when I need it. So. But you normalize it then. Other people yeah, see it don't have to see it as something scary. Right. Yeah. Uh, I so. have a, a very perceptive almost four-year-old, and she needs to be in everything that I have in the bathroom. And so I think that I put them away just so she doesn't see it, just so that I'm not talking to her about it yet because I don't really know how to approach that just yet. But um, what I do want to do is just normalize that with her and her sister and be like, these are our menstrual products. This is what we use. And 
they're out here forever. This is an option to so, use, and there's yeah. other things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in this all is fairness, what I use. You can use something else. <laughs> in all fairness, I don't have kids, right? So mm-hmm. I can't imagine those discussions with, with your child. But I was a teacher, and things would come up randomly, things that I knew it was not my place to discuss with the students, and I was like, that's a discussion you need to go have with your parents. But I would give some basic answers if something would come up. I wouldn't shy away from it. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I mean, I would say if I had a kid, it's like, this is for your period. Uh, when, when you're older, you'll get it. We could talk about it more then. But even just, it's, you know, it's part of our biology. Just mm-hmm. like the toilet paper eventually f- they figure out how to use it right they're just seeing it sometimes just seeing something out there all the time where it's not hidden mm-hmm. just hiding something makes it seem like something's weird or wrong with it absolutely yeah this is like it's just sitting here mm-hmm. uh, well even you know taking a tampon from your purse at the workspace and going to the bathroom like do you hold it in your hand or is it hidden in your pocket or in my sleeve usually yeah. stick it in my I've, sleeve I've and put it in my bra before because past. I work with yeah absolutely so. and so we don't have to hide it but it would be nice if you could just walk into the bathroom and right. it was there, <laughs> there. absolutely yeah. it was just there you didn't even have to make that trek right if you needed it because sometimes like mother nature is just like surprise we're here um, <laughs> I've had a bowl of tampons and pads uh in my in my office and I purposely instead of a candy bowl in my office uh-huh. I have it in the middle and you ladies moved it for this setup <laughs> but I purposely put it in the middle so that anyone that comes to meet with me has to sit at these sofas and see these see these products people would come in here and laugh and make comments about it initially repeat visitors right you have repeat lobbyists that come by no one laughs about it anymore it's just normal people mm-hmm. are like oh I have an emergency can I take one uh, and so young young girls walk in sometimes for person to the capital and get to see the stuff they're like and they're so excited about it and they're like oh I need this like can I have some but you start to just normalize it and yes. so you know and every now and then there's still a joke about it I'm like yes it's not candy uh, <laughs> you know I, I don't laugh I'm like uh, moving on uh, but I purposely put it here uh, for that to start mm-hmm. to normalize it and, and I have it in the front lobby when you walk in and the same thing in my district office I have it in the front lobby uh, I have it on every table where people are going to meet with me in my district office also so that people have to see it and it's normalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do t- uh, drives all the time, and I remember the first few drives, people were afraid to do them, and now people walk in all proud and want to do boomerangs, including the guys. And like, I went to the store and bought these on my own. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> nice. uh, and so it's exciting to see that, that shift, right? And it's like, yeah, it shouldn't be a big deal. It's like, one day you might have to buy them for your daughter, for your wife, for your partner. Yes. Uh, y- you never know. Um, and so that's why I have them all also in my house. Uh, and. And, and it's a different space, right? This is work, and at work I push the envelope and I push people out of their comfort zone. But I said, well, I need to make sure I'm doing the same thing at my house. And so years ago, I brought them out from under the sink and I have them out in display. And then I have, I don't use maxi pads, but I have maxi pads out because some of my guests want that. And mm-hmm. so it's like, fine, you have options here. I can't provide you everything. I'm not CVS, but. <laughs> <laughs> that um, long receipt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think. And so that's what I would tell your your listeners. Yes, there's things you could do to help me with, with the governor. Uh, but I think what's important is what you do every day in your space to help normalize this, this discussion and this issue. Awesome. Thank you. We actually have a present for you. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. If we could. Where's my purse? Um, Naomi's a great... Um, cross-stitcher so she cross-stitched a little something for you and wanted to give it to you for 
your oh, time. So I love it. For yeah. taking time to be with us and, and share all this information that was so incredibly helpful. Well, um, we'll gladly display this somewhere <laughs> in the all our other periods. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but thank you, thank you guys for for creating this space for uh, all of us to talk about this stuff uh, and normalize the discussion uh, out there. Mm-hmm. And you're doing exactly what I'm telling folks, right? Figure out what your power is, mm-hmm. and yes. then and then use them. Yeah. No. Thank, thank you. you. We feel so empowered by this conversation and yeah. want to go home and I know. change the really world. So. Up right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Good. Well, I will say we joke in here that in 10 years, I'm going to run for president on a period platform. Hey, <laughs> we, we will. Um, I, not, not Can we say we have your vote? Like, yeah. Right yeah. Check, check but, your vote. Um, but because I also get inspired by these discussions every time someone comes in here, I was like, oh, you know, um, I doubt I'm going to run for president. Uh, <laughs> but it, it is inspiring to see how this uh, menstrual equity discussion has, has evolved and how uh, different individuals feel empowered to expand it and grow it on a regular basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, this has been great. I want to yeah. cry, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck, ladies. Thank, thank you, you so much.